it was our 20th wedding anniversary this last week. And it reminded me, actually, that this time last year, you you may have heard this story. I have told it in church, so apologies. But this time last year, we were going for a meal with Steve and Louise because we share a wedding anniversary with them. And during the day, I had gone for a walk. I say a walk. It was meant to be 15 miles, but I'd miscalculated. And it ended up being 27 miles. And I had the wrong boots on. So the result was that when I got home, my feet were an absolute mess. No one but no one would have wanted to wash them for me. And I lost four toenails as a result. And they have only recently grown back in all their splendour. But anyway, that's enough about my feet. But feet, we we ignore them a lot of the time, don't we? And it's only when actually they go wrong that we realise the pain they can cause us. Picture the scene. First century Jerusalem. There are no cars, there's no public transport. Most people, if they wanted to get around, they would have to walk. And so what would happen is people's feet would become dusty and dirty and calloused and they they would not be the most pleasant things to encounter. And so this account that we've heard this morning is all about foot washing. It's about Jesus washing dirty, hot feet from the road. So it's Passover time in Jerusalem. So it's not a time of sort of searing Mediterranean summer. But imagine the temperature of a nice summer's day here, 21, 22 degrees, that sort of thing. Jesus is having an evening meal with his friends. Now, John is a very different writer to Luke. If you've been with us for the last two weeks, we've been journeying through Luke's gospel. But this week we're with John. And whereas Luke will often give us lots of historical details and lots of reminders of things that happened, John is always interested in the so what. What was Jesus teaching us? What was Jesus showing us? How does this point to the ministry of the cross and resurrection? And so we have the seating at the dinner table. And then we find that Jesus washes the feet. He gets up, he washes, and he dries his disciples' feet. Now this of itself is not an uncommon action. Hospitality in ancient Middle Eastern culture was almost a sacred duty. And people took very seriously sort of entertaining people. So whether it was people who were travelling, being offered a meal or accommodation, whether it was friends or family. And it's something actually I think we miss quite often when we read the scriptures, that actually their culture was so much more based around being together and sharing things than our individualistic Western culture. And foot washing, when people came into your house, was all part of what it meant to offer hospitality allowing people the chance to relax, to unwind. But actually here Jesus turns roles, as he so often does, on their head. Because Jesus is the rabbi, he's the teacher, he's the one who has gathered this group of disciples round him. But rather than delegate the role of foot washing to a servant or a slave, which would have been often the case, rather than even ask one of the disciples to do it, he takes this role on himself. Verse 4, puts a towel around himself, pours water and begins to wash the dirt of the day off the disciples' feet. The tables are turned. Jesus becomes the servant. He demonstrates humility. Now, humility is it's one of those character traits that I think in our sort of very me-centred, I-centred world is, is something that is sometimes overlooked. We often see, I think, in our society that personal betterment is the goal, whether that's through the education system, whether it's climbing the job ladder or the housing ladder. 
we're a culture that that advertisers like to sort of focus on the I experience. You know, you're worth it. Come and treat yourself, whatever it might be. And humility seems to run contrary to so much of that. And it's a notoriously slippery sort of concept to pin down. You know, for me to be humble, if I read what the Bible says, it's it's to not think of myself too highly. It's to put others before myself. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, to think of yourself with sober judgment. Well, is that straightforward? Is that easy? Well, maybe for some, but if you're anything like me, it's not that straightforward. It's not that easy to do. To see ourselves as we really are. To have humility deep within. And the other thing with humility is it quite easily sort of inverts itself and becomes pride. And you get that sort of nonsense statement that I'm I'm proud of my deep humility. There was a student from Eastern Europe who was once visiting an English university and they are quoted as saying this. I don't know whether this is true, but they said, you English are very modest fellows, but you always manage to convey the impression that you've a great deal to be modest about. Well, is that real humility? Well, no, not really. So Jesus, rather than taking us on a lesson about what humility is about and offering some huge explanation, he simply puts it into practice. He shows us what it means to be the servant of others. And then he explains it. And then he tells us the blessings of being like that. And this whole scene in John's gospel, in many ways, it is a foretaste of what is to come. Because Jesus, as he goes to the cross, he will give his everything for us. He will take our sin. He will wash us clean. This points forward to all that is to come in the ministry of Christ. But for now, we're at the dinner table and Jesus is washing feet. And during the action part, during the foot washing, Peter, and it's so often Peter, isn't it, in the Gospels, seems to have to have say something and says something that Jesus then pushes to one side. He he says that, don't just wash my feet, but actually you need to wash all of me if you're going to do it at all. And then we get Jesus's response to Peter. And it's really fascinating. Verse 10 and 11. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, Not every one of you is clean. So why are they clean? Why are the disciples clean? Well, we mustn't be too literalists here. It isn't that they've just gone swimming or had a bath. John is is talking about the deeper meanings here. And what he's talking about is actually they are clean because of Jesus in the same way that we are clean through the ministry of Christ. The application of this passage is not to go around and washing people's feet in a literal kind of way. And this is why Judas, the betrayer, is suddenly brought in at this point as well. Outwardly, Jesus is washing feet, but actually he's pointing us to that greater act of washing us clean from sin, of making us right with God, of allowing us to have that relationship with our Heavenly Father. And the cleansing of the disciples, just like our cleansing, is all linked to Jesus. But for Judas, it says in verse 2, he's already listened to the the words of the devil, the devil's promptings, and he's actually going to go and betray Jesus. And so Jesus says, you aren't clean. You're not part of what the others are part of. You you, you haven't been cleansed in the way that they have. 
So as the account moves on, Jesus, having demonstrated humility, having demonstrated servanthood, now explains a little bit about it. Verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. And as the New Testament unfolds, as the the gospel writers and then later the, the apostles and the various writers of the New Testament continue, they will expound what it means to be humble. Just hear these words from Philippians 2, the great Christ hymn that Paul inserts in Philippians. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what about us? How do we humble ourselves in 2020, in this strangest year that many of us have ever lived through? In a summer where summer holidays are still going to be quite restrictive. At a time when actually if you want to go out for a meal, you have to sign in, then go into a restaurant. Then you only pay 50% of the bill, but only if it's in August and only if it's Monday to Wednesday. And if you think that's confusing, try going to the dentist or to, for a haircut or to buy a pair of jeans. These things that used to be normal are now marathon expeditions. What does it mean in this kind of world to humble ourselves and follow Jesus' example? As a church family, as the lockdown continues to ease, as we take those first steps to re-hosting events in our church buildings, who are we mindful of? Are we mindful of our needs, our wants, or are we mindful of the needs of others? It was great that so many people filled that survey in over last week, and we had 110 results from it. And as I was collating those results just earlier on this week, there were a number of things that struck me. But one thing that really struck me was this. Here we are as a a church family. You know, we're united in Christ. We share the same faith in the Lord Jesus. But we're all in different places in terms of what what we would like to see happen and what what we hope will happen. Some of us are sort of chomping at the bit, wanting to get back into the church building, wanting to share worship and, and fellowship with each other. And that is okay to be in that place. Others of us are, are really cautious about doing that and would probably prefer to stay away for quite some time. That's okay as well. Others of us, for, for health reasons or, or for other reasons, will we'll also choose to stay away. And likewise, that is okay. Let's be mindful of one another. Let's follow Jesus' example and put other people's needs first. Let's not feel that actually we we need to try and persuade people to feel or to think like we do. But with humility, consider others more important than ourselves. Follow the example of Christ. If we've been watching the news this week, you will have probably noticed that the, the Chancellor made some quite significant announcements because he was saying, well, you know, we're facing this period of great economic uncertainty. And he's taken all these steps to, to shore up jobs. Now, I'm not going to get into political comment on that. But I just want us to think for a moment. How are we going to react in the months that lie ahead? Are we going to think, well, if I'm okay and I'm going to sit here in my okayness, that's all that matters? 
Or are we actually going to adopt the behaviour of Jesus and become the foot washers, become those who care about our friends and our family and people in our church? Or if life is anything but okay for us, if we're, if you like, on the the, the end of the, the spectrum where actually things are going to get difficult, will we also humble ourselves and let other people serve us and allow people to care for us in difficult times? See, humility is both to be served and to serve. Jesus teaches us that that is what being humble is all about, to give and to receive. Paul, a number of years after these events in John's Gospel, is writing to Timothy, one of the next generations of church leaders. And he says this in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love and faith and purity. Paul basically there encouraging this young leader to live out, if you like, the foot washing lifestyle. Live out the lifestyle that is of humility, of putting other people first. The lifestyle of an example that Jesus gives us in John's gospel. Now that isn't restricted to being young. It's for all ages and for all times. So John, in the passage, he records Jesus's last words in verse 17 in this particular passage. He says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. It's one of those beautifully simple scriptures, isn't it? If you do this, if you behave as Jesus has told us to behave here, if you live like this, you will be blessed. It's a promise of Christ. Live this way and receive the blessings of Christ. You know, do you want to be blessed by Jesus today? Do you want to know what it means to to have um, Jesus's blessing poured out over your life? His favour, God's favour upon us. Well, Jesus says simply, do what I have commanded you. Live in this way. Be humble. Give as well as receive. Let's make it our prayer today that actually we take Jesus at his word and live with deep humility. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you didn't just say a lot of words, but you actually enacted things out so we can understand what you mean. I just want to pray today that you will help us to live lives that that just reflect these words that we've just explored this morning. Help us to follow your example. Help us to live as those who reflect you to the world around us. You who came not to not to be served, but to serve. And so, Lord Jesus, the servant king, we worship you today. Amen.